Welcome to this week's EC Insights Podcast. We're going to be talking microgrids with Energy Consulting Distribution Engineering Manager Lavelle Freeman. Welcome, Lavelle. Thank you, Jason. Pleasure to be here. So, Lavelle, what is a microgrid? Good question, Jason. The way we see it, microgrids are a microcosm of the electric power distribution system. They exist typically downstream of the substation and can be islanded so that they serve a critical, a or non-critical customer base completely without having to interact with the power system. So there, microgrids are a lot in conversation these days in the industry, especially, say, in the last two to three years. Why all the discussion now? Well, a lot of this has been driven by resiliency impacts in the Northeast, particularly. Um, after Hurricane Ivan and Hurricane Sandy, uh, many people were out, many critical facilities were down for an extended period of time. And because of the social and economic impacts, the state has decided that microgrids may be a way to defray the impact on society by providing another source of energy that will allow a critical facility, such as a hospital or a water treatment plant, to be um, powered while the grid is being restored. Now, just so you know, microgrids are not really that new. We've been doing this in the industry for a long time. Um, GE has been able to island large refineries and, and large industrial systems success, successfully for a long time. Uh, military bases have been microgrids. In fact, island systems all over the world are, in essence, microgrids. Uh, what is new is that this has permeated many of the industrialized um, communities and microgrids now are being developed so that instead of having one point of interconnection to the grid, you have multiple points. And so you're using the infrastructure for distribution system, whereas before you had like a, a, a um, captive distribution system for the, the microgrid. Okay. So what are the benefits of microgrids? Uh, you talked about resiliency. What else? Well, the benefits, yes, are primarily resiliency when you look at the microgrids that are being developed in New York State and elsewhere. But microgrids also can afford a, a customer-based reliability, which is um, the ability to have power that is um, uninterrupted during um, normal days without storms being um, around. They can also improve the power quality of the distribution system, although that is kind of debatable at this point. But what they afford is a level of flexibility that allow communities that may be... Um, impacted by events on the larger grid to have uh, the benefit of control over their own destiny, uh, so to speak, to be able to integrate um, sources of power um, behind the meter, uh, whether it be solar, whether it be um, energy storage, um, and to be able to use these for their own benefit and to also be able to sell power to the grid if they don't need it. Sounds like a lot of great benefits. I mean, would imagine just like any other technology, they also have some drawbacks. Talk about some of the challenges with microgrid technology. Well, some of the challenges we're seeing with the community microgrids, particularly in New York, are that they tend to complicate the operation with the main grid. Many of the microgrids are used in the distribution infrastructure. And so they are predicated on the entire grid beat out for them to come into formation. If the entire grid is not impacted and you may have a, um, a, a fault in a distribution system, now you have a microgrid controller that wants to act. You have the utility DMS or the utility operation um, manager wanting to act also. And so the, the line of demarcation 
between when the microgrid can act and when the utility should act is a little bit blurred. And so what we're seeing is that utilities would prefer that the microgrid not come into formation when it's using utility infrastructure unless there's a large-scale outage. So that's one of the challenges that we're seeing. Of course, the technological challenges that are inherent to the large grid are also inherent to the microgrid, just at a more reduced scale. How are how is GE how is Energy Consulting working with our clients to help mitigate some of the challenges related to, to either the technology or how it operates with the larger grid? You know, if you use New York Prize as an example, mm-hmm. uh, or some of the other projects we've worked on. Right. So New York Prize is a good example of that, Jason. Um, we're working with multiple clients now, about ten, ten um, different partners, ten different communities, um, ten um, unique projects to be able to solve the problems of interconnection, to solve the problems of generation resources. In some of these projects, there are large existing um, um, generation sources, such as, a, such as a waste energy plant or a hydro plant, that can pick up much of the microgrid. And you have to supplement these with maybe CHP at the customer's location. In many of these, you have to cite multiple generation sources at different points in the system to be able to pick up the load, and then you have to understand what is the impact of the generation sources on the um, on the microgrid loads, how are you going to get your load following, your regulation reserves, uh, when the load changes, how does the microgrid respond, is it agile enough? And so from a generation portfolio, GE has developed um, technologies to be able to understand how microgrid generation sources would play but also on the infrastructure side, we have been able to design the delivery system that will connect the sources at disparate locations to customers wherever they exist. And most importantly, a control and communication system that will allow the generation sources to be dispatched, that will allow load to be curtailed if necessary, that will manage the load generation balance such that the island is sustained. Because that's the most critical thing. If the island load generation balances are maintained, it, it can collapse. And so the technology is essentially important for that. Okay. You mentioned generation. What types of technologies from generation all the way through to controllers are being used in microgrids? What are the most optimal? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. So we found that with the New York Price projects, uh, CHP technologies tend to be a really good choice because you're maximizing the efficiency of the generation plant. The waste energy, uh, waste heat is captured and can be used to provide thermal um, um, generation of uh, thermal energy to the plant, whether it be hot water or using absorption chiller, you can uh, produce cold water. And um, solar is also a good choice. Um, we There are many of these projects that have large expanses of rooftops or empty space where we can put PV. But we found that when PV goes beyond a certain level, you really have to have the ability to manage the variability either with agile diesel engines or, or with um, battery storage. And then the economics are compromised. And so there's a really fine balance between how much PV you want to integrate, how much storage um, you would want in your system, and then what type of machines um, you have to, to manage availability. We're also utilizing um, GE's suite of microwave control um, technologies. There's a U90 plus uh, microwave controller that is able to dispatch 
um, generation resources, look at the low points and be able to control the balance in the plant. Uh, there is a C90 plus fast load shed um, technology that can drop load in about 20 milliseconds, which is many, um, many times faster than what is available in the industry these days. And so with GE's technologies on the control side, of course, GE Distributed Power has a range of, um, of machines, gas machines um, that are clean, um, lean burning, um, agile, and can be used in um, microgrids. And then the expertise of energy consulting to design the infrastructure system. Uh, it's a, it's a one-stop shop, really, and a very potent combination uh, for customers. Okay. You talk about generation there. One of the things I know we're working on is a project with the Department of Energy in the U.S., uh, as mm -hmm. well as the Global Research Center. Tell us a little bit about that and what, how it relates to microgrids. So I assume you're referring to the microgrid um, control system. That's the one, yeah. Yes. So, so that's a project that's funded by, by the DOE, as you mentioned. And the goal of the project is to, de is to develop the next generation microgrid controller, which with features that build on top of what is available in the industry now. Um, as I mentioned, GE has a very robust set of technologies, but this controller will integrate much more advanced energy storage management functions, being able to optimize the dispatch um, of energy storage. Um, we'll have load forecasting capability, so the microgrid will be able to um, dispatch generation um, in anticipation of load changes. We'll be able to understand what the market is doing and dispatch generation such that you can take advantage of the, um, of the New York ISO or, or, or whatever market you, you happen to be in, the price signals that are, are coming from the market. This is a, it's an ongoing project with, with the DOE, General Electric Global Research Center is involved, NREL is involved. It is being tested at NREL now, and it will be deployed at the Potsdam uh, microgrid site, which is actually doing the engineering design uh, for that site. And so it's a next step to that project that is very exciting and should uh, kick off uh, later this year. Why is it important to develop this new control system? Why can't we use the controls that currently exist on the grid? Well, the controls that currently exist really don't have the, the robust um, technologies that would allow energy storage to be optimized. And we've seen that many microgrids these days include energy storage as a way to, um, to mitigate the impacts of solar, but also as a way to, to capture generation and arbitrage and sh do peak shifting and um, other balancing on the grid. And so the microgrid controllers would build on that and also build on some of the algorithms that are being um, deployed, in, for example, in GE's D400 um, to do, um, like I mentioned before, the load forecasting and the management to a much finer time scale of uh, the generation and load um, interdependencies. Great. So you talked about a little bit earlier, and you've referenced it a couple times, the New York Prize competition. Uh, for folks who don't know what that is, can you explain what it is a little bit and then talk about what GE's Energy Consulting Group is doing with the New York Prize? So New York Prize is an effort by the state of New York to, to incentivize microgrids to be built all across the state. So it's a $40 million um, incentive program 
developed over three stages. The first stage is a preliminary design, a feasibility design. The second stage is an engineering design, um, and that should produce investment-grade um, projects. And the third stage is implementation stage. And so GE right now is involved in the stage one feasibility designs with about 10 communities. And from these, we hope to progress into stage two. One of the um, one of the key elements of New York Prize is resiliency and understanding the value of resiliency in different parts of the state. And so there's a, a benefit, an economic benefit, that's been attached to resi resiliency. Each of these macroids has a cost in terms of the generation, in terms of the infrastructure uh, that's been put in place to support it. And the balancing of the benefits, whether it be resiliency, whether it be the ability to sell power back to the grid, um, whether it be just reliability, the balance of the benefits versus the cost really tells you if microgrids would have a place to play in, in the future. One of the things about microgrids that is um, interesting, and this is a, a quote I saw from Green Tech Media. I don't remember exactly what the quote is, but the essence of it is that grid modernization involves utilities changing the way to do things. It involves new utility tariffs. Um, it involves um, new ways of making money. It involves new technologies, um, issues of monopoly. And microgrids bring all these issues to the fore. It's a focal point and a driving, um, uh, driving force for grid modernization because it involves integration of distributed energy resources, into an ecosystem and understanding how this impacts customers and the technologies that have to be implemented to, uh, to make the system work, the economic realities of the system, and the ownership models that are inherent in microgrids or speak on some level to the larger good modernization question. This sounds like uh, definitely a, a key development in developing, uh, or excuse me, in developed markets. Uh, you know, where utility industry is strong, we have a large mm -hmm. grid infrastructure already. Uh, talk a little bit about what role microgrids can play in developing countries where maybe the grid doesn't exist yet or a strong grid doesn't exist. Uh, what role can microgrids play in, say, developing countries? That's a great question. Uh, last year I was in Myanmar, which, as you know, is a country that was under military rule for, for a long time and recently transitioned. And fully 70% of the country is unelectrified. And the goal of migrating the grid or expanding the grid to serve 70% of the country was seen as unrealistic in terms of the time frame on which it would be done and technologies that would be required. What they're doing is taking a leap from a centralized grid to microgrids in the unelectrified portion of the country. And building these microgrids to serve villages and communities and at some point, expanding the microgrid so that, so that the edges begin to overlap and build them into larger and larger microgrids. And at some point, tying them back into the, main, into the main grid. So microgrids in industrialized countries absolutely make sense. We've always thought that this was the market for microgrid. It was a little bit of a surprise that it began taking off in New York and other industrialized, in New York State and, and other um, states and industrialized countries. However, one of the goals is, as we do things in New York and in California and in other parts of the U.S., we learn more about 
what are the technologies that can play together? Um, what are the control imperatives, um, um, the systems that need to be designed? And we can take these learnings and much more efficiently deploy these in the rural um, parts of unindustrialized countries. And so I see Africa, you know, Asia, um, even parts of South America as being natural markets for microgrids and probably the next portion of the world where these um, technologies would explode. And I think GE is well positioned uh, to play in those markets. Um, certainly pricing um, and the economics dictate whether or not a company such as GE would, would see this as, as a potential market. But again, what we do in the U.S., if we can productize it and um, develop it in such a way that it's containerized and deployable, I think it's, um, it's something that is possible. That's great insight. So in this dichotomous world that we talk about, right, there's the developed and industrialized world, right, where it's markets and it's upgrading uh, infrastructure. And then, you know, you've got the developing world where it's uh, skipping right from centralized generation to, um, to this decentralized generation in right. places that are unelectrified. So taking this into account, what do you think the future is for microgrids? Taking all this information and all the different applications into account, what does the future for microgrids look like? Microgrids will not go away. Uh, right now, it may look like a bubble that's been inflated by, by federal and state dollars. But there are many examples of technologies that were inflated by federal and state dollars that have managed to find a foothold. And PV is one example. So microgrids, because a key component of them are DERs, I think will persist. Because commercial establishments, industrials, residential customers have more of an appetite for having their own PV systems, even for having energy storage. And so at its basic element, that's a microgrid. When you begin to look at communities now that are looking for more control over their power system's destiny, um, looking to have some autonomy um, from the main grid, for whatever reason, that is the next evolution of the microgrids. And then if you go further, you look at municipalities now that are able to have generation sources and their own systems and be able to operate in an islanded mode from the main grid. That in this is in essence a microgrid. And so besides the military bases, which we know have existed in the past and will always exist for other reasons beyond economics, such as energy independence and, and ability to, to control their own destiny, I think that the the driver for resiliency will be a seed or a catalyst for microgrids to prove themselves as being economic. And resiliency will no longer be the key factor that pushes microgrids over the edge. It's the integration of the, the CHP, the, the, the cooling, heating, and power combination of microgrids that, that brings efficiency to the, to the fore. It's uh, the ability to integrate um, the DERs and being able to play in the markets and derive revenue from that um, that will also um, push market good over the top. And so I see it as a natural um, part of the evolving power systems, 
part of the grid modernization of, of power systems, part of what New York is trying to do on the New York web to animate the market, to have more of a um, of a peer-to-peer -peer, um, type distribution system than top-down. Part of what's happening in California, where distributed energy resources are now part of the integration integrated portfolio of utilities. Part of what's happening in Minnesota, in Texas, where there's a value being placed on DERs. And as states begin to look at their neighbors and see that there may be some technical and economic um, viability to market grids, I think it will become um, like the flow. You know, everyone will catch it, it'll spread. And before you know it, we'll have a system that looks very different from the system we have today. I think we're already along the path. We know that we're now in the third generation system. Um, the next generation system will really be a system that's dynamic with, with flows back and forth on the distribution system um, rather than one way. And microgrids um, is a driver for that and a big part of the future. Sounds like a something to keep an eye on, a bright future for microgrids, according to Lavelle Freeman. Lavelle, thanks for your time. And uh, please join us next time for our next EC Insights podcast. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, everyone.